was the spring of 1972, and it was John F. Kennedy Airport in New York City, and Ruth and I were on our way to Italy and England for our very first trip overseas as a married couple, and we were going to a conference. It was called Adventure of Living, and it started off with a bang. This is Dick Foth with Stories from the Road. Ruth and I were 29 years old. I would end up having my 30th birthday in Sorrento, Italy. If you're going to have a 30th birthday, have it in Sorrento, Italy. I'm just saying. (laughs) But what a shock when we approached our gate there at Kennedy. The nose of a huge plane was just feet from the plate glass. No passenger plane had ever come close to this plane in proportion. It was called a Boeing 747, 747, a massive, striking airplane that actually captured the public imagination and ended up bringing air travel to the masses. Had a distinctive hump, nicknamed Queen of the Skies, is perhaps the most widely recognized commercial airplane ever built. And that plane transformed air travel and really became a symbol of American ingenuity. Listen to this, six million parts it took to build that plane, produced all over the world, and it was an instant public sensation. It was much larger, this four-engine plane was much larger than any other and could fit hundreds of people in rows with up to 10 seats across, had an upper deck and up in that hump part, reachable by a spiral staircase, and that hosted a luxurious lounge. American Airlines had a piano bar (laughs) installed in the main cabin, it was that big. Uh, this play, the 747s were built in a factory in Everett, Washington, generally regarded as the world's largest building by volume. But that brand new plane, I think it was just, they just started building them in 68, 1968. The days of that 747 were numbered. Two weeks ago, on January 31st, Boeing handed over the last 747 it'll ever make. On that day, the final one was delivered to its new owner. That plane was number 1,547. Now granted, that plane will still be flying decades from now, and that's that longevity, aviation historians say, is a testament to the work that engineers and designers and others put into repeatedly remaking the airplane. Through every sort of season, as they kept moving and making more airplanes, they adjusted and changed and worked on it, tweaked it, if you will. Oh, just one more piece of information before we stop talking about airplanes. There are two new uh, airplanes that have been built but not delivered, and these are no ordinary planes. These are two new U.S. presidential planes, which are technically called VC-25. Victor Charlie, 25. We would know them as Air Force One. That's a call sign, but it's only used when the U.S. president is actually on board the aircraft. These two future Air Force Ones, though already produced, are currently undergoing extensive programs of modifications and all of the hardware and fancy cyberspace stuff that goes on. The point is, about the 747, everything has a season. Everything has a time. Uh, We're in the middle of 
feeling that now. I mean, since December 21st, we've been inching toward a new season. Just last time I talked to you about Poxitani Fell in Pennsylvania and Groundhog Day and all of that, because February 2nd is the halfway point between the winter solstice and th that next seasonal change in March 21st. But at least, at le and I love this, at least the days are getting longer. I mean, literally by minutes each day, the sun rises and sets, well, to be precise, planet Earth turns, but we gain one or two or three or more minutes until we get to June 21st. Actually, things we gain less minutes when we get to May, and I knew you'd want to know that. We are all aware of the passing of time and seasons. So what about them? Well, in the language of the Old West, if we glance down our back trails, it's interesting to reflect on one's seasons. Think about it. That first season, preschool up to age five. Then you have elementary school, just using the educational cycle as sort of a metric. There's middle school, that's an interesting time. High school, the great social season. They're all seasons. We graduate high school and then we go perhaps into the workforce, we go some would go into the military, some into college or university. And uh, then we finish with that season, however long it might be. Uh, we used to joke when I was in college work that it's a four-year curriculum, but some of us stretch it to seven or eight. <laughs> it's all right. And then there, that decade called your 20s, and another one called your 30s and the 40s. Each one's sort of a season, not precise, but in relationally, we have seasons. We can be single, or married, a parent, a grandparent, even a great-grandparent. Anybody remember the season before the Internet back in the 90s, in the mid-90s? Before the Internet, you had to go to an authority figure for information, really. That was the structure. But since the Internet, that, that was the first generation that did not have to go to an authority figure for information. Remember the time prior to the smartphones in that first decade of the 2000s? Anybody remember, it's my favorite line, anybody remember number two pencils and daytime planners? Well, back in a moment. <music> Scriptures, in the Hebrew Scriptures, what we would call the Old Testament, there's a passage in Ecclesiastes that talks about time, and it just lists the various things that the author of this reflected on. Listen to how it reads, chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, time to be born, time to die, time to plant and a time to uproot time to kill and a time to heal, time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away. It goes just on and on, like a time to love and a time to hate a time for war and a time for peace. I think he is reflecting on what he has seen. 
I think he's reflecting on that part of life that just introduces us to things that in some cases that we hoped we would never see or experience. So my question is this. What season, what time, in quotes, do you find yourself in as you listen to this podcast? Like what age season are you in? Physical season, emotional season. How about educational or vocational? How about the season when you have a certain level and kind of responsibilities? Or a season when you're reflecting on what possibilities there are? I would submit that seasons are sort of like classrooms, or maybe even more specifically, teachers for good or ill. Some years ago, when I turned 71 years old, I did a life plan. That's where you sit down with somebody for a couple of days and they listen to your story and they distill things and look at gifts and experiences and weaknesses and all of that sort of thing. And when, when I woke up uh, that morning to go and start that two-day process with a facilitator, Ruth was chuckling. And, and she, I said, what are you laughing at? And she said, I think it's hilarious that a 71-year-old man wants to do a life plan. I said, hey, hey, my mom lived to 100. I got 30 years out here. I need to get my act together. So what was interesting is that the, the facilitator listens to all this, and then about a day into it or a day and a half into it, he asked you to leave the room or she asked you to leave the room for 45 minutes or so. And when you come back, your life is on the wall in butcher paper. And there, it's been charted with high points called life gates or other points called turning points, ups and downs and sideways. And when I looked at it, I saw that the age for me from 21 to 35 was like an entrepreneurial season. I graduated from college, married a wonderful woman in Ruth, started having children, got a master's degree, moved from places, went from California to Illinois, started traveling in the United States and other places around the world. And in the middle of it all, in the middle of that season, my parents split up after 29 years of marriage. Now, I was in my 20s, albeit, but still it impacts you. And it, it in, impacted how I saw myself, my identity. I had the sense that things would never be the same, and sure enough, they weren't. But my real question was, how do I navigate this I can't change them, but how do I navigate it in myself? On reflection, I learned a ton from that season, pain and all. So, another question, what's the season from which you have learned most? Or the season that you'd like to see again? Maybe it's that one. Or the season that you never want to see again? I'm fond of saying life is what happens when we expected something else. Here's the third question. What in this season are you learning that might help you down the road? Or someone else for that matter. What in this season are you learning that might help you down the road? So I'll just, I'd just like to give you 
a little encouragement along the way and read again from Psalm 91 that we shared a few weeks back. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. The seasons will come and go, but I believe that that God will not come and go, that he is always the same. And when we find refuge and a place to stand in him, that gives us a place to see the world from. God bless. Thanks for being here. Dick Foth saying, I'm out. I'll catch you next time. Have a wonderful week. God bless you.